The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's stand and dive into the Word of God, and uh, let's get to Acts chapter number 15 and uh, see what the Lord has for us this morning. Acts chapter number 15, and we're going to read the whole passage of Scripture so we understand context. And uh, so let's jump in, Acts chapter 15 and verse number 1. If you're there, say a hearty amen like you're awake and it's not daylight savings, move forward Sunday. Wow, here we are. You've finally woken up. No, you've done really great this morning. Your singing was awesome this morning. Verse, uh, chapter 15, verse number 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. All right, church? Uh, you don't need a Bible college degree to know that there's something wrong with that statement, right? You, you with me? I mean, there's, there's an immediate problem. You cannot be saved. You didn't see anything about Jesus in that, in that verse. Uh, so something uh, is, is being taught awry. Verse number two. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they, the church, determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenice and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto the brethren, unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church, and of the apostles and elders. Remember, elders is referring to the, the pastors, the spiritual leader, uh, leaders there in, uh, in Jerusalem. And they declared all things that God had done with them. Remember from last week, we, we noticed that, that the work was done with them, that God was working with them. Now also, I just want to note that we'll hear from him later on in verse number 13, but James seems to be the, the lead pastor there in Jerusalem. He would have been an elder there at Jerusalem, the, uh, the half-brother of Christ. And so what a, um, what, uh, that they are all meeting together with the apostles and the elders. Verse number five, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed. So these folks had believed on, on Christ, saying though... <laughs> that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them, referring to the Gentile believers, to keep the law of Moses. So they're adding to belief in Christ. Verse number 6, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them. And he's saying between the Jews and the Gentiles, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, Therefore, why tempt ye God? Why are you testing God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Why are you throwing them back under the law? Why are you putting that yoke upon them again? 
verse number 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. And God's people say, amen. Amen. We believe that too. Verse number 12, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. Our hearts are blessed this morning as we've been able to sing, fellowship, dream forward about what you'll do on Easter Sunday through us and in us. Lord, we ask that you would make us fruitful for you, but in all things, Lord, help us to be sensitive to your spirit, guided by him to reach out and to bless others, folks, with the the good name of the Lord Jesus Christ this week. And Lord, we thank you for the report by Miss Kim. We thank you for her faithfulness down there. We ask that you would uh, uh, lift, the, lift the, the, uh, the restrictions and lift the, the surge that's going on down there in Brazil and enable her to be able to get back. And Lord, I pray that they would be able to get back to in-person meetings and encouraging one another face-to-face. But Lord, you've, you've built your church down there and you have even purified uh, some believers down there in, in that one city. And we give you praise for that, for all that you're doing. We ask that you just continue to advance your causes there in that, uh, in that country, we pray. Thank you for this opportunity to allow your word to minister to our hearts, challenge us. We ask that we would receive it with gratefulness. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. You know, as Christ builds his church, there are going to be times of growth like we've just seen, right? There's going to be times where God is moving. God's moving in pagan areas. You see the growth. There's opposition, yes, but there's going to be times of growth. But there's also going to be times where questions arise within the church, Sometimes there's divisions that spark that question like we see here in our passage, but there's questions that need to be addressed. And here we see as the early church is beginning to meet and and really is advancing in a great way, a question comes up that is very serious and needed the churches to get together, the pastors to get together and discuss this. Over the past one to two years, Paul and Barnabas have been on this excursion, this gospel ministry tour all the way uh, across Cyprus up into Asia Minor, and, and they were preaching the gospel. And many of the times that they were preaching the gospel in many of the different cities, there were physical, uh, open persecutions against them as the messengers of the gospel. We saw Paul get stoned. We saw them get run out of cities. We saw them get slandered. And there were many physical, uh, personal persecutions against Paul and Barnabas as messengers of the gospel. So now they've returned home. They've traveled their five to 700 miles. They've returned home. They're recuperating there. It says there in verse number, uh, it says there in verse number 28 of the previous chapter, and they abode, uh, abode long time with the disciples there in Antioch. They're, they're resting there. They're being recuperated. Likely during this time, Paul is writing on the, on the epistle to the Galatian believers, and he's writing uh, about many of the things that we deal with here in verse on chapter number 15. And so they're resting and recuperating there. And you know, we can expect that out when you're charging the darkness and you're charging paganism with the gospel and the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there would be persecution. But we come here, and we find a different type of opposition begin to arise right in the home territory. And in reality, it was the message, not the messengers of the gospel, that were being challenged here or being opposed here. Whereas out in Derby and in Lystra, the messengers of the gospel, and certainly the message of the gospel was being opposed, but the messengers were being persecuted and run out of town. Here in Antioch of Syria, it was the actual message of the gospel that came under attack. 
And so what I want us to realize is there is a spiritual attack going on there in Antioch of Syria and also down in Jerusalem against the message or the integrity of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a problem, friends, right? Don't you believe that? When the, the gospel is being undermined, when we're adding to it, when we're diluting it, when we're taking things away from it. And so the message of the gospel was being eroded, it was being confronted, it was being opposed in this public perversion that has been brought in by some teachers that have come up to Antioch of, of Syria. Now, this was a clever plan of Satan. How many of you understand this morning or would agree with me that Satan wants to uh, blur and confuse the message of the gospel? Do you, uh, do you believe that today? All you have to do is turn on the TV and realize that the message of the gospel has been blurred, it's been confused. Many people that you go uh, about and speak of it, uh, to in town uh, they're confused about the gospel. How do you get to heaven? Well, I was baptized. I, I hear that so many times. Uh, how do you know you're on your way to heaven? Do you know when you die, you'll spend eternity in heaven? Well, I was baptized. And the gospel has been so badly confused. Or I'm a really good person. I think I will because, you know, God will accept me because I'm a good person. It's been so confused. And so I want us just to realize this morning that Satan longs, Satan seeks, his whole desire is to confuse the message of the gospel and to, um, to corrupt it. Why? Because if he can, he brings many people to hell. So what is being dealt with in Acts chapter 15 is extremely important for us to consider even in this day because Satan has not set aside the tactic of corrupting the gospel and attacking the gospel in our day. And he's done it even here in America with this health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, which is a perversion of the gospel. Do you not agree with that? He's also done it with this whole uh, mindset, and maybe you, um, maybe you think of this, where an, a, a certain elect people are, are uh, candidates for salvation, where only the elect can go to heaven, and there's certain that uh, God is elected to hell and certain that God is elected to heaven, and he's perverted the message of the gospel. Don't you understand that this morning? The Bible tells us that whosoever will may come. And so Satan is still trying to attack the gospel. And here's the thing that I want us to zero in on. This happens within this church where these believers have been called Christians first in Antioch. It happens in a church like ours where the message of the gospel is being corrupted by certain people that have come up to teach. And I want us to realize that a church... A church like ours, when a spiritual attack comes uh, against us or against the message of the gospel, will either be divided, will either be divided by that message, by that, that confrontation, by that opposition, or it will be driven to unity in Jesus Christ and in his work and in his message and in his truth by the Holy Spirit. This could have a very different outcome in this church of Antioch. They could have been split and divided. But what we see here is Antioch dealt with it in a proper way, in a biblical way, in a spirit-led way, and the church was moved together forward. They did not split. I overheard a, a, a pastor talking about a church blow-up uh, just yesterday, and oh boy, uh, it just melted down. Well, that's a sad, sad thing. And many times Satan loves, he is... He is the divider. He's the subtractor. God wants to add and he wants to multiply within his, within his church. He wants to build. Satan's the destroyer, right? And so when he's blowing apart churches, that's not a great thing. We don't, we don't, we don't like that. We don't want that. But you know sometimes Satan can bring a, a divisive point in, a, even a doctrinal issue in that divides the church. 
What we see here is the church deals with it in a proper way, and they're driven forward into unity in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that we are to endeavor to keep the peace, the bond of, uh, uh, of peace, Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That does not, that does not allow for doctrinal compromise. There are times where we have to, and, and even as a pastor, Acts 20, 28, the Bible uh, tells, uh, tells me that I am responsible to watch over and guard against uh, a doctrinal error that would come into the church. So there are times where, where a pastor is going to have to say, you know what, that doctrine is not welcome here. And maybe that goes against political correctness, but the, the, the fact of the matter is there is some doctrines that will come into a church and someone will start peddling around and, and, and a pastor might have to say, that's not welcome here, but we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And I see that this church dealt with a very, very heavy issue, but still stay unified, stay joyful, and continue forward for the Lord. Let's deal with this. Notice the attack on the gospel. Let's break this down. Satan seeks to attack the truth of the gospel Notice in two ways. By trying to cancel the messengers, and we see that happening. It happened over and over in every one of those cities, and also down in Jerusalem, by either canceling the messengers or corrupting the message. He works in this way. Satan is sly. He, he's a sly varmint. He is, he, is, he is exceedingly wicked and very deceitful, and so he's seeking to here corrupt the message. Oh, he's done a lot of trying to cancel Paul and Barnabas and others that have preached the gospel and send them out of town. But here he's trying to corrupt the message. Notice the setting of this attack. You know, we have uh, become very accustomed in America to seeing wars fought on other, uh, other soils, not in our own soil. It's very discouraging when terrorism has come here. It's very, very sobering when we start seeing battles fought on our own soil. Is it not even over the last year as our country has been in turmoil, seeing battles fought on our own soil and in our city streets? It's a very sobering thing. But I want us to think about this in light of what's going on with the gospel. It's understood that, you know, the enemy would confront the gospel in a place like Derby that's completely pagan. But here we find that the enemy has brought the war, the battle, right into the church of Antioch. And so that's the setting. It, the attack was at home base. And the certain men which came down from Judea uh, taught the brethren, the brethren, the disciples there in the church of Antioch in their gatherings. Antioch was the place where they were first called Christians. Antioch was the gateway to the gospel going to the Gentile people. And so here it was that Satan decided to attack the integrity, the truth of the gospel. But I want you also to notice it wasn't just at home base this attack was waged, but the attack was also uh, originating from some very respected people. They respected the church down at, at Jerusalem. They respected the believers down there. There was a sisterhood. There was a, a brotherhood of churches there. And so when these folks came up, perhaps they didn't even realize that they would be bringing along a doctrine, a teaching that would thwart or undermine the message of the gospel. It came from a respected place. And you know, it's just a reminder to us that we need to always stay on guard. We always need to be testing and trying the spirits to see whether they be of God. We always need to be alert, even if you're sitting down and talking with a, a friend or someone you haven't met in a, 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 been with in a, a long while, and they're, they're starting to share about um, some truths from Scripture. You always need to be alert. I wonder where it happened that this teaching happened. Was it in homes over meals at night? Uh, was it in 
uh, in the local cafe there in Antioch over a cup of tea or a cup of uh, coffee. They didn't have coffee yet, but I'd like to, I'd like to think they were blessed in that way. Um, but what, what, what was it that, that was going on as they taught? Was it in parks? Well, the kids played that these doctrines were taught. Friends, it was in the everyday run of life that these doctrines were taught among the brethren. It wasn't the pastor standing up in the pulpit and teaching these things. It was happening among the brethren. And they were teaching the brethren. You know what? Satan always does that. Very rarely will a false teacher come in and sit down on Tuesday with the pastor and say, I'd like to bring some false doctrine into your church. You know how it happens? They come and join the church. They start doing life in the body. And they say, oh, no, I, I, I have a disagreement, but I'm not going to share that. I'm not going to impose on people. Yes, they will. Doctrine always affects the way that we behave. And so here again, they go to the brethren. It's so sly. It is so sly and it is so wrong. Satan wants to divide and hurt the church and corrupt the message of the gospel. And so James, the pastor down there at Jerusalem, he says to the church of Antioch, or, or to Paul and Barnabas and the others that gathered down there later on in the, cha- in the chapter, verse 24, for as much as we have heard, we heard through the grapevine, this is typically how it happens, we've heard through the grapevine that certain which went out from us have troubled you with their words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. You know what? False teachers don't, uh, don't seek accountability with spiritual leadership. They're also often rogue. They, they, they despise accountability. And here's what happens. These guys, they didn't go talk to Pastor James before they went up on their, their little uh, missionary and their, their teaching journey up to Antioch. They just went up. And we heard through the grapevine, they're, they're up there causing problems. What a sad thing. And friends, it happens the same exact way today. There is nothing good that God has, God has set it up for a spiritual accountability here within the body. That's a necessary thing. Don't you agree with that? It's a necessary thing. And pastors are accountable within the body. It's a necessary, it's a necessary thing. So Galatians 2 and verse number 4, Paul speaks of this, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. How did they come in? Privily. Under the cover of darkness. They didn't come out in the open. Listen, if someone has to share a truth in silence, it's probably not a truth you should believe. You with me on that? It's probably not something that you should buy into. Hey, I learned something. And, and this isn't being taught in your class. This isn't being taught in your church. Hey, it's probably not something you should buy into. It's probably something that you should say, you know what, I think I'm going to pray about that for a little bit. And the church at Jerusalem was respected as an example for churches like the church of Antioch. But here from that church, some folks that had wrong doctrine came up to Antioch and began to under, uh, uh, undermine what was being taught up there. And so we should always be on guard. You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, verse 10, 11, and 12, that we're to put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that we can stand against the wiles, the methods of the devil, right? Why? Because we don't wrestle against, uh, uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? So our, our battle, the spiritual battle, is not flesh and blood people, 
it's Satan behind that that is seeking to undermine the gospel and corrupt the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how bad was this attack? How bad was this attack? I want us to notice the severity of the attack in verse number one. Notice how it says, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses. Let's say this uh, last phrase together. Ye cannot be saved. Once again, ye cannot be saved. That is an awful, awful statement. I mean, that is just, it's bad. It's right, I mean, it's, it's, it's right in the face. This was a total frontal attack on the integrity and the truth of the gospel Let's, uh, let's consider uh, circumcision for just a moment. This was given to Abraham as a, a sign of the Abrahamic covenant, uh, signifying the eternal uh, covenant that God had made between him and his people. You can read more about that in Genesis chapter number 17, verses 9 through 14. It really became, though other countries uh, practiced it, it really became a marker, uh, a, 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 Jew, a Jewish identifier. A person uh, who was circumcised was identified as, as, a, uh, as a Jewish person. In the Old Testament, it was a physical picture. It was a physical picture of what would one day happen spiritually uh, by faith in the heart, in our hearts, as we place faith, the person, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So much of the Old Testament practices have have their full meaning in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he would do. And so I want us to notice what it says in Colossians 2 and verse number 6. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to make sure that you write this chap, um, uh, verse down. Colossians 2 and verse number 6 through 11. The Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ, so walk ye in him. By the way, it's not a conclusive matter that just because you have prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save you, that you believed on him with all your heart and you're believing in him alone, that you'll also walk in his truth. It is a decision day by day to walk the discipleship pathway. It's a decision day by day to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow him, is it not? And sometimes we do better on, 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 uh, with that than others, and sometimes we don't do so well. Are you with me on that? And it's a day by day uh, journey. But as you have therefore received Christ, so walk ye in him. What? Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, beware, lest any man should spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the teachings and traditions of men, uh, things that didn't come from God, but these are the traditions of men, and there's many religions that are built solely on the traditions of men. Would you not agree? Build on the traditions of men. God says, if you're going to be a a believer who's walking and, and, and growing and being established in the faith, you need to be aware that there are traditions of the men that you need to reject, that you need to say no to. You need to test under the microscope of Scripture. And after the rudiments of the world, the, the, the basics of the world's teachings, and not after Christ. So he says, beware, beware. And you're complete in him. Well, it says, for in him... Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is God in the flesh. Verse number 10, and you're complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Isn't that great? Right now we struggle and we wonder, uh, who's in charge? Jesus is. Isn't that great? Nothing ever can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord our God. Verse number 11, in whom also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Okay, 
So Paul is now dealing with the Colossian believers and he's saying, wait, wait a minute, he's bringing an Old Testament picture right into their salvation that is had by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He says, in whom? In Jesus Christ also ye are, right now, you that are believers, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, it's a spiritual thing, in the putting off of the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So what's going on here? In this church up at Antioch, they're being taught, you need to go back to the physical act, the physical practice of circumcision in order to be saved. And Jesus says, no, 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 that was simply a picture. You can't trust in circumcision for salvation. You have to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, who alone can remove the body of sin from you and, uh, and, and give the circumcision of the heart. And so Barnes puts it this way, you have received Paul speaking to the Colossians, that which was designed to be represented by circumcision, the putting away of sin that only happens through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not a physical act. That's why baptism does not wash away your sins. Right? Are you with me there? It does not wash away your sins. It's a picture. And circumcision was a picture of what would happen in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now these believers are coming in and saying, no, 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 let's go back here. Let's go back here. And you have to have a physical act in order to be saved. And whatever the case may be, the gospel is often corrupted by people coming in and saying, no, this is what you must do in order to be saved. It's not Jesus Christ alone. This is what you must do in order to be saved. And they were saying, without the physical act of circumcision, you cannot be saved. And so you see how this undermined the very core of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. You cannot add anything to Jesus and have salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And what they were saying is, you need something beyond Jesus. You need something more than just Jesus in order to be saved. And how many of you agree with me with an amen this morning that that is a damnable heresy? It is one that that should be Put the rest in, uh, in, in the lake of fire. It is, a, it is one that will take people to hell. It is a bad, bad heresy, and it is against God. And so I want us just to realize you, uh, what they're saying, you cannot be saved, was really the truest form of legalism. Now, legalism can show up, legalistic thinking can show up in our, in our Christian lives, where we add things to our sanctification, add things to Jesus Christ for sanctification. Well, if you do this, 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 and this, you'll be sanctified, right? It's still faith in Jesus Christ that sanctifies us. But legalism in its truest form, there's a lot of people that throw around this word legalism. It's like a, a billy club that people throw around. Legalism in its truest form is adding something else to Jesus for salvation. So that's what was going on here. These people were adding circumcision to Jesus Christ for salvation. And so what do we see in Ephesians 2 and verse number 8? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation cannot be both of grace and works. It can't be. The Bible tells us that clearly. It's all of grace, or it's all of works. But aren't you thankful this morning? It's all of grace. And that's what the Bible says. For by grace are you saved through faith. So salvation is not by baptism plus Jesus. Uh, salvation is not Jesus plus church attendance. You know, I have a fear that sometimes folk, uh, young people who grow up in churches like ours can get in their minds that, that, that salvation is, is also the practice of Christianity. No, it's, it starts with Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ alone. 
And you know what? That is such an important message that we bring to the, uh, to the lost. It, you, you're not saved by coming here this morning. I hope you came because you are saved. Or if you're not saved, I hope you came because you know you need to be saved or you, you know you need God to work in your heart in that way. But salvation is not Jesus plus uh, church attendance or Jesus plus our good works, Jesus plus the following of the traditions of men. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so when anything is added to the simple message of the gospel, it is corrupted. It's corrupted. And the gospel in many ways has been corrupted in our day. Uh, I mentioned a moment ago the doctrine of, of Calvinism. You say, I've never heard of that. Well, just, just let's put it in this, this term. There are some that believe that, that God elects some to heaven and some to hell. I'm telling you what, what a miserable uh, day we'd have on Easter Sunday to have to, to preach. Now, thank you all for coming here today, but some of you, there's, there's no help and you're just going to spend eternity in hell. I mean, what, what in the world? Now, God knows. Don't we all agree that? God knows everything, and he knows those that are going to, to choose to place faith in Jesus Christ. But where we get out of balance here is the, the free will of man and the sovereignty of God. And because God knows, and then that means he's, he's putting a person in hell or putting a person in heaven. No, he's given us all a free, a free will. That's a heresy, and it's undermined the gospel. It, 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 it smacks at the heart of the gospel. Whosoever will may come, and it's open and free, and it's to all. I've seen other, uh, other uh, heresies that have come, uh, come along and, and say that if you commit certain sins you cannot be saved. If you commit sodomy, you cannot be saved. You know, aren't you thankful today that, that as long as there's life in our lungs, that there's hope in the Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful for that? And you know, some churches might even put on their, their website, they'll say, hey, if, if you have committed in homosexuality, you're not welcome here. That is a, that is a damnable heresy, and it under, undercuts the gospel. It undercuts it. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing for you to look at doctrinal statements on websites. We have our doctrinal statement on a website. But if you happen to go into a, a town and you see a church that believes that way, they probably have some other problems in, uh, in the church as well. If they're undercutting the gospel and who can come to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a problem. I'm thankful that whosoever will may come. And, you know, there are some sins that get uh, uh, such a lock on a person's heart. And I'm not, I'm not saying that the sin of homosexuality and other sexual sins are not ones that grab such, have such a grip on a person's heart. But I'm thankful that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He has the power to break the chains of sin. If you'll read on in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 6 and forward, you'll find that he made open spoil. He spoiled those works, those disastrous sinful works at the cross. He has the power to break on the, the chains of any sin any sin and he welcomes all to come to him by faith and so the message of the gospel is very very simple jesus christ died on the cross in your place for your sins and if you'll accept what he did for you at the cross by faith he by grace will give you the free gift of eternal life it's simple and friends, you know, we complicate. I said a moment ago, we overcomplicate so many things. But as you go out this week and as you invite people, don't be, don't be shy. Don't be scared about sharing the gospel. It's so simple in its simplest form. Satan loves to complicate it. Well, you need to know this, 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 and this. Listen, go out here, grab a track. Keep it in your pocket. We just uh, printed up some tracks, uh, some business card-sized tracks out at one of these round tables out here. And on the back, 
Romans 6.23, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, 1 Corinthians 15.3, uh, Romans 10.9. There's some simple verses there you can walk someone through. It's simple. We're sinners. We are, we are under the judgment of God. Jesus must, we must be judged because God's holy. He cannot tolerate sin, but he loves us so much he sent his son to die in our place as the God-man. And if we'll believe in him, if we'll trust in him, we'll depend on him alone, not on our church, our church attendance, not on being a good person, but on him alone. He will give us eternal life for whosoever, say it with me, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we have that message to bring to people this week. Though Satan tries to corrupt it, let's cut through the corruption with a clear message. And you know what? Not often does this happen, but I think, uh, I think uh, that's as much as we're going to uh, deal with today. All right, point number one. And uh, you keep your notes. We'll come back to on uh, next Sunday, and we'll deal with, uh, we'll deal with more. It's going to be a little bit of a trek through this because this uh, doesn't wrap up all the way through uh, chapter 15. But if I can just help us to walk away with this today as we think towards Easter, but as we think of just being good witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, remember the simplicity of the gospel. Satan is always trying to cancel the messenger or corrupt the message. And this week, by God's grace, will we be clear messengers with a clear message of the gospel? Be ready this week to tell anybody. Be ready to, to share it with anybody you know. Anyone that asks a reason of the hope, anyone that looks down, be ready to share that message with them this week. And by God's grace, would he make us effective witnesses and bright witnesses for him? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, would you help us with this? Thank you for showing us the clarity even this morning just how how the corruption was coming in but lord how your message is so very clear and i thank you for what you did in my heart and taking away the body of sin and uh, and the, the old man and lord i still struggle in my flesh and my friends do too i thank you for making that a reality in my life and lord i pray that you would help us as a group of people to be very very bright for you this week Lord, I pray that we'd have a burden for those that walk around us. Uh, awaken us. Lord, awaken us to the true spiritual need of folks around us. May we not be dead to the, the cries of their, of their depressed statements and uh, the cries of their frustration and their, their anger and all that we, we see as symptoms of their greater need, and that's their sin and their, the sin that's against you. Oh, God, would you make us effective this week? Help us to shine brightly, very brightly for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed, stay seated there. Could I encourage you right now before you leave this morning, would you take a moment and would you bow before the Lord? I'm going to do the same. And would you talk to him? Lord, would you give me the strength? Would you give me the strength to cut through all the deception that's out there with a clear message of the gospel? Give me the words. Give me an opportunity. Lord, I'm praying right now for that plus one that I'm going to be inviting. I'm praying for my neighbor, that family member that I'm going to be inviting. And I'm asking, Lord, that you'd open up their hearts. And I'm asking that you would give me an opportunity to invite them to church, but to share Christ with them as well. And would you pray about that? I'm going to encourage you, if you're able to, find a knee and bow before the Lord. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord right now and just simply ask him to undo this work in the quiet of this moment. Would you do that? As you bow there this morning, could I also ask, is there anyone here that does not know for certain that they're on their way to heaven? You've been confused about but this morning, God has made it clear to you that whosoever will may come. You realize that it's not by baptism and not by good works. And you've realized this morning, it is only by faith in Jesus Christ. And you would like to know for certain that when you die, you'll spend eternity in heaven. Is there anyone like that this morning? Pastor, 
I don't know for certain, but I'd like to. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.